brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. Thank you so much for coming out to Biscuits and Burgers. And thank you so much for the participation that came from the MRNW next door. And are here now to spend a little bit extra time with us. We appreciate it. This is our first podcast at night. It's our first podcast live. It's our first podcast after a conference. It's our first podcast with beers. It should be a good one. If ever there was a time for us to go 10 minutes on WrestleMania, it would be tonight. Right. right. Then the late night version is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. So let's fast forward about four hours. You can follow us. Uh, we are going to put this online. It should be up tomorrow. Um, you can download it anywhere you can get podcasts. So it'll be on the iTunes Store. It'll be on Google Play. It'll be on Stitcher, SoundCloud. And if you'd like to reach out to us, if you'd like some kind of transcript, sure, we can type something up. You reach out in telecast at emi-rs.com. Follow EMI on Twitter, EMI underscore research. My own personal Twitter is Adam Jolly, all one word. Brian, what's your Twitter? I'm still considering a Twitter account. <laughs> what, what's holding you back? Well, well, first of all, we talked about the, the uh, privacy issues. We're kind of holding me back. Also, as, if you know from my rants, I could be a wild card. I'm kind of crazy. So yeah. I'm kind of scared of what I'll say and regret later. You can always delete a tweet. I could delete a tweet. But it's there forever. What if, what if you had something? Like, there used to be a guy. He was like MRX like yeah. vandal yeah. or something he was like yeah. mr mystery mrx and he would just go on and be like yeah i would ah, do that. that panel's the worst thing that ever happened i just got 10 invites today i may have one of those email addresses was that you no that was not me mine's much less boring um but i'm still considering so what when we're thinking about doing this podcast what is like your dream scenario for this live podcast uh, a crowd, number one, and we've achieved that, so I think I could just Yeah, leave. everybody! We can just leave. It's great. That's, that's my dream. What is your dream? Um, my dream is that we get done with this, and someone's like, that's the bo- best podcast I've ever heard. Is there sponsorship opportunity? The, the bar is somewhat high. And what do you guys think about taking this on the road? That's what I'm hoping. We right. get some kind of deal out of A little road show. Yeah, and then we can expand beyond market research. Who knows? Right. So, last week, we did the podcast with Rod Intenla. You were going to go speak at the AMA Northwest Ohio. Yes. How did the presentation go? I think it went really well. It was my first time on the main stage. I've spoken at conferences before. First time on the main stage. We have a, one of the guests at the conferences here. I'm going to get her on up here to talk yeah. about it. But Come to the state. No. no. <laughs> right. um, right. I thought it was really good. I did hear some feedback from people afterwards. Multiple people said it was a little scary. Yeah, it's a light, it's a rough line to walk, right? Yeah, so I wanted to kind of expose some things. So I talked a lot about data quality. That's what it was. So Rod Intello from Action Based Research and myself spoke 45 minutes on data quality. And I really, if you want to see the presentation, email me and I'll give it to you over the phone. And but It was fun. It was great to be there. And really nice people. It's just a small little AMA conference in Northeast Ohio. Um, but it was a lot of fun for me. What type? So I, I understand it can be scary. You talk about pitfalls and yeah. how people cheat the system and how people, you know, bots, things like that, were online surveys. Chatbot. Did you give any type of, like, solutions? Yeah, we did give some solutions. One, Number one, trust your sample provider that they're doing this because lots of companies are investing in this. They're investing millions and millions of dollars. Oh, for sure. So rely upon them and ask a lot of questions. Those were the two main takeaways, I think. That's great. Um so you've looked at, we didn't go to the, con- the conference today. Can we make you explain about that? We're we did not go. We're kind of squatting. We were, yeah, we were definitely squatting. I was actually in New York until about an hour and a half ago. Yeah. But what, you've looked over the agenda. What is kind of, um, what was the biggest thing that got to you? Like, what was, a, I guess, a topic that you wish you would have been in on? Well, the obvious topic was, the, at the end of the day, there was one on podcast. Yeah. That's the one I missed. Step it on the turf. It's the worst. Yeah. I noticed that they didn't come to our podcast. And they had, huh. apparently they had a list of top huh. podcasts. I don't think we made it. Did they have the number one podcast in Southeast Ohio about market research listed on their list? And by the way, now we're, this is another first. We're in Kentucky. Yeah, we first should probably talk about that. We're, we've been in two states. Top that. Data I don't, gurus. Don't talk about Steve. She's friend of the pod. She's. <laughs> I don't see Innovate doing that. Right. Yeah, take that, Minning. Uh, by, by the way, can I mention something? Yeah, go ahead. Um, my wife is here. I don't know if you knew that. Do you see her over there? Oh, my gosh, your wife's here. Last night, we were at dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, we found out while at dinner that it was our three-year anniversary. Oh, my gosh, time flies. I fed her steak. 
Use steak. <laughs> three year anniversary for a marriage? So we won the over we won a lot of bets by getting Good the three year mark. But yeah, today yesterday's my anniversary. Congratulations, guys. Three years. I mean that, I mean that's Oh my god, it was my anniversary this week. Thanks, Sarah. Sarah and I have been spending a lot of time together on the road, and she was like openly telling people, actually, you know, it's Adam's anniversary. He just got his 11th anniversary. Oh, hey, it's Adam's anniversary. He just had his 11th anniversary. And no one knows how to react to that when they just met me. They're like, oh, okay. Congratulations for staying. Good job. So great. So did you notice that there was like two or three sessions about CX today? Is, is this? I could do a rant on this. By the way, for those in the audience, we do a lot of ranting. So if you, anybody has a rant about research or non-research, you can get up here. Yeah, CX is this new buzzword. Yeah. I think customer experience has always been around, but all of a sudden, everybody's obsessed with CX, right? Right. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I think it's a lot. I think. Well, I, I think CX is the evolution of using the term big data that we've seen in the past. So yeah, everyone said big data, but no one really knew what that meant. Right. But then now CX has been kind of the, what do you do with the big data that you have from your customers? You come up with customer experience, customer satisfaction, those type things. And it's also fun to say. It, it's really a cool term. CX. Yeah. Um, another topic was automation. We've touched on automation in the past. Um, do you have any updated thoughts on automation? Because I have some. Um, all right. So... There are people at this conference that are going to tell you that automation will solve all your problems. But how? Automation will make everything perfect, data quality is perfect, and I do not agree with that at all. Um, automation is great, it helps, but if you're not managing it correctly, you got big problems. That's my take on it. Well, my take is what are you doing with the time and cost that you save with automation, right? Because it would be great if, say you want to field a survey. And because you used automation, you could save two days. And because you use automation, you save 20% on, on your cost. But the thing is, you're probably not using that time and cost savings as a cushion to your clients for, for analysis or cushion to your clients for reports right. or any type of, you know, what your recommendation is. Right. Your clients are probably saying, you automated, I need this the extra day faster, right? I need this the extra two days faster. It's expedited the timeline throughout the entire process. So instead of a two-week, now all of a sudden it's two days. It's horrible. So if that's happening, what ultimately is automation giving the industry, if that's true? Cost savings? Perceived, I think. It's just a perception. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's true cost savings. In some ways, you can save costs in time, but I, I don't think that as an industry, we've built in all of the data quality checks and the time to think. Right. And so it used to be, I mean, analysts would take days to think through a report and analyze the data, and it's all been expedited. Now they want to report immediately. They want it during field. Right, which is right. ridiculous. They want automation in terms of analysis. So luckily, I don't really do that anymore. Our clients do, but that's that's what I hear. Yeah, me too. I heard a term today that I probably haven't heard in two years, and that's river sample. The river's back? River's back, guys. Nostalgia's back, river's back. So river sample, in as far as online surveys goes, is it's kind of a internet intercept. So say you're online and say you're on ESPN.com. A panel or someone will know that typical re typical people that are on ESPN.com are 18 to 34 year old males. So they will come up and you'll get the pop up that comes up, get paid to take surveys. And they know, based on what the average demographic is of that website, that they're going to get an 18 to 34 year old. And they can grab you at that time and get you to take the survey. So with that type of ideology, it sounds okay, right? It sounds okay. I could get hard to reach audiences if you could use, you know, people that are drawn towards millennials, things that are drawn towards different minority skews. It sounds great. The hardest part of that is the unpredictability. And this is where my client that I talked to today had the biggest problem is the response rates falling short on sample, just really an unpredictability about river sample, not just for expectations, but how people were going to answer studies. Right. We got into a big talk of how do, is there a difference, not just in demographics, but in behaviors from river sample to your typical like email double opt-in type survey? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts? I'll tell you what I said afterwards. You go first. Well, this is what I do for a living. Right. So. I'm putting on a T. Go ahead. So yes, there are big differences between river sampling and traditional sampling, 
it's kind of boring, but there are big differences. We could talk. I could talk for hours on it. Get really, really boring. Put everybody to sleep here. Um, but I think everybody is now doing river sampling. For sure. Three years ago, maybe five years ago, it was a dirty word. Now it's just generally accepted. Kind of like aggregating. Right. Five years ago, nobody aggregated. We were aggregating before it was kind of cool. Now everybody does it. Kind of like river sampling. People still say no river sampling and don't realize that a lot of what you see is actually river sampling. And I think you can get good quality from river sampling. It's just different. That's my thoughts. I agree. And I think there are places for it. Um, the question I kind of got stumped on today, how does... And if I'm putting you on the spot, you can tell me now. We can cut this? Yeah, we can cut this out. This is as live as in uh, quotation marks here. It's not necessarily. Um, how does something like a river sampling compare to like a social media intercept type sampling? Well, when I'm looking at the differences, I'm evaluating a lot of different factors. One of them is quality. So from a quality standpoint, um, not much difference. You can get similar quality from like a social or for a river. But from a behavioral and attitudinal standpoint, you're going to get some pretty big differences. And that's why we do what we do. We understand the differences in people that are building panels and sending sample. And so there's pretty big differences. Um, also pretty big demographic differences. So we sure. use, a lot of people use river sampling, social sampling, because they can attract kind of underrepresented panel respondents. So we've had a hard time attracting 18 to 24 year olds, for example. African-Americans, Hispanics, especially unacculturated Hispanics, and you can use river sampling and social sampling to, to reach them. And that's right. great, right, in theory, that's great. But th there's an impact of that which can affect your results, and so you need someone that's kind of an expert on this to kind of teach you the advantages and disadvantages of that. Um, a respondent on one panel may look the same as a respondent that you get from social or right. from river but they could have different answers that's that's a long-winded response well is there a pitfall to okay so we're kind of saying social and inner river type samples good for minority skews whether that be age ethnicity income whatever yeah. right but is it safe if all of your sample comes from that so say if i wanted 18 to 24 year olds and i know that social sampling is probably the best way to go get 18 to 24 year olds if all of my 18 and 24 year old block came from social, how would that affect the rest of my sample, behavior wise? It would, right? It would affect it, but it depends what your comparison point is as well. So, you know, we, you're probably comparing that data to something previous that you've done. And so, as long as you remain, remain consistent in your sampling methodology, it's probably not a bad thing to do. And it's un unfortunately, it's somewhat necessary. Right. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. I think that was good research talk. Let's take a break on research talk. <laughs> okay, let's talk about something fun. So we're here in Cincinnati. We're here in Covington. Everyone here had a lovely, beautiful day to see the city. Just a gorgeous, <laughs> picturesque, watercolor day of, to see Cincinnati. What, what Spring has arrived. What are some things that people have done since they came in town? Anything fun? Visit parents. All right. We had somebody say they went to Montgomery Inn earlier. Got the sauce, which is the best in the world. Um, the Reds won last night. I hope some people got to go. Probably getting rained out today. It's our fourth win of the year. It is almost May. It's great times. There's a new restaurant. It's a new restaurant. What is that? It's Mexican. I love it. Agave and rye. Um, I'm on a burrito right now. So, Brian, podcast ends tonight. It's probably 1.30 <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> what are you doing after you leave biscuits and burgers, ideally? Ideally? In this area. Oh, in this area. Yeah. I would do or what a normal person would, would do? Well, both. Give me both. Give me you first and then go a normal person. Okay. What I would do if I leave this place at 1.30 is fall asleep before I hit the car. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it is honestly my bedtime right now. It's what, not even 8 p.m.? That's usually when I go to bed. So, take that for what it's worth. A normal person, 1.30. Well, I don't know this side of the river very well. I don't know if, if bars are even open to 1.30. Uh, the casino, no. The crowd is yelling casino. I'm not sure what type of people we have in here. I think you'd go across the river into Cincinnati. You'd go to over the Rhine or the banks. That's what I would do. Especially if I'm from out of town. We talked about this last week. There's some fun little bars and over the Rhine, fun little restaurants, some late night, grab a dessert, a coffee, a shot, 
Wander up down Vine Street. Something will be open. That's what I would do. I'm not doing that. What are you doing? I'm going. I'm going to a, a bar. I'm going to a cool bar that you can only get in kind of Kentucky. Oh. Uh, Old Kentucky Bourbon Bar is over on Main Street. I think it's 600 something Bourbon uh, Main Street over in Main House. Okay. Quick, maybe a four dollar Uber ride from here. I wouldn't walk. Let yeah. me put that out there. Covington can be a sketchy place. <laughs> Nothing yeah. normal type of folk here. Um, but I would go there. Great bourbon selection. Huge bourbon selection. Um, and you'll be surprised at the cost of it. I do. You know, last night I was in New York City. I went to a cool bar. <laughs> cool dad alert last night. <laughs> Tell me about. I can't wait. I haven't even heard a New York story yet. So let's hear one. Well, here's a great story. Okay. So we get a prospect. Is like. Look, I get into town. It's going to be kind of late. Let's go out to a bar. And for some reason, I think because I was traveling with Sarah, who is younger and maybe looks hip on her LinkedIn picture, <laughs> and me, who obviously, cool dad. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, cool dad. Yeah. So they're like, well, these guys know how to have a good time. we got to find a great bar. So I quickly start Googling, and I see a name that I remind, I remember because I tried to take you there. We took a day trip like four years ago. Yep. We were looking for a place to work for an hour, and I yep. said, here's a cool hotel bar. Yeah. It's us that we thought it was open at 11 a.m. because it was closed. <laughs> but I remembered the Nomad Bar. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, in like the Flatiron District. Yeah. So we get to the Nomad Bar. It's closed. <laughs> I start to panic. They have closed for a private event. So you have people with you? Is this- no, we're meeting them there. Oh, my gosh. So Sarah's texting. Sarah's sitting on LinkedIn. Hey, sorry, the Nomad's closed. It's closed, closed. So we walk inside. They go, actually, the elephant bar of the Nomad bar is open. You guys should go there. How do we get there? So they walk us through basically an empty room, and then there's a huge, like, red velvet curtain. We walk in the curtain, and there's, like, racks. Like, we had to climb over stuff. And all of a sudden, the curtain opens, and there's 300 people all dressed not like the typical traditional, you know, the market research male costume. It's the uh, right baby blue shirt, navy blue, right. and then khaki pants. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, not dressed like that. Look at, oh my gosh, it's Mike Holmes, everybody, in the, the market <laughs> research outfit. Yeah, there it is, right there. It's uh, it's quite the spin on the uh, the Catholic uniform. It's the market research uniform. Uh, but so I'm wearing that exact base of the outfit yesterday as we walk in, and there was. Not that it was cool t-shirts. There were ripped pants. There were uh, neck handkerchief ties. Yes. Was, Unbelievable. This is a Monday night at what time? Uh, 7. Oh, it's 30. Early. 7.30, yeah. 7:30. The people with real problems are drinking. <laughs> right. Hard times. Right. <laughs> uh, so we show up, and then the people got there, and they thought we were cool. <laughs> like They were like, great place. This is awesome. And like my drink came with one ice cube. Oh, But yeah, it was like yeah, yeah. three inches by three inches. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it took um, somebody was wearing a, a leather apron that made it. And very cool facial hair. Yeah. You so, you're doing a lot of this. Right? Doing a lot of this. It has to take you 15 yeah. minutes to make a drink. Yeah. You have to have facial hair, the apron, and it has to cost like $18, I'm assuming. The drinks were expensive. And I w- how I would describe my drink. Oh, guys. Guinness, just across the table. This is why my wife is here. How I would describe my drink, and this is how I described it to Sarah yesterday. It would be, say you drink half of an RC Cola. Yeah, specifically an RC Cola. And you left it in your car for a couple days in the summer. So it gets really hot. During those two days, you picked up a chewing tobacco problem. You spit in the can. You left it in your car another two days... And then you got the candy and you drank from it after four days. That was how I described the drink I had last night in New York. Nasty. I'm kind of speechless. <laughs> and it was $36. $36? No, 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 no. It was, it was $18. Uh, I, it was, was horrible. I right? Was yeah. I guess right? Yeah, it was horrible. Did you know this about me? I'm an unbelievable guesser. Let's like, give me anything. Let's, what a great industry. Let's add another segment <laughs> to the next podcast, and we'll just stuff Brian. It's like a carnival. Oh, what do you guess? This you guess age? Wait, what do you guess? I and guess numbers? How much did your drink cost? $18. Nailed it. I'm glad you're in the market research industry. Basically, just glorified guessing. I appreciate it. I, I don't need to bid anything out. If a client asks me anything, I can just guess at the price. I'm, I'm plus or minus 15%. That's pretty good. Um, so, conference ends tomorrow. Um... I guess we could talk small talk. What are you doing this weekend? Anything fun? This weekend, let's see. Celebrating the anniversary? 
Dinner. I think last night was Drinks, was flowers. Jordan. Um, I don't think we have any plans this weekend. I don't know. What are you doing? Uh, birthday season's over. That's great. <laughs> the kids uh, have, all the kids have their birthday stuff over. Um, I think um, it's other kids' birthdays. That's like one of my favorite things in the world is to go to other kids' birthday parties. Yeah. And just let my kid run around and be like the, you know, borderline bottom three kid at a party. Right. And, and like get the people worried about did they sign the waiver type thing, like that type of fear. Yeah. I think that's what we got going on this weekend. Nothing real fun. I was at a party this past weekend where people that you know as well as I do had a bounce house in their basement. Well, that's, that's parent of the year right there. Bounce house in the basement. And we were told upon entry that it has a 300-pound weight limit. Huh. That's the problem. That was the biggest problem. Well, it's almost, I mean, if you're going to put a bounce house in your basement, it's almost like you're begging to break a collarbone. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, great. Uh, well, let's kind of take a quick break, uh, kind of recharge a little bit. We're going to try to get some people in the audience to come up and just answer a few questions. We're going to ask, uh, what is your favorite part of the conference? What are you really looking forward to the conference? Um and really, like, what are you hoping to get from the conference to put back at your own jobs uh, when you go back later on this week? Sound good? Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back in just a little bit. Thanks, Adam. Well, our, our next guest, our first guest, yeah. is Dorothy Flesta. She works at L'Oreal. She's actually a friend of mine. She's from Cincinnati, but I'm going to let her introduce herself. Dorothy, hello. Hi, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, I'm Dorothy. I work for L'Oreal. Um, I'm on our uh, digital creative research team, um, and what that means is we're upstream with product testing. Um, so we're testing products in home use um, before they get associated with a brand. So a lot of iterations of formulas and different things like that. Uh, and I'm here at the conference to bring in new thinking, new ideas, new ways of getting quick research. You know, the buzzword agile things. Like oh that. yeah. Yeah. Who is the best talk that you heard today? Um, I really uh, was impressed by the presenter from the Fossil brand. Um, I think it was a really interesting way um, to bring in kind of a sad story about the you know the, the brand going downhill um, and showing how they integrated customer insights to bring it back up. Um, I think that it was really interesting. You see so many brands failing nowadays um, and so many sad stories. It was a kind of an inspirational story um, that was rooted in them doing the right thing and putting the customer first so I really like awesome. that. I, I feel like there was a lot of talk today like CX I, I know it's customer satisfaction yeah. and you know customer engagement but it's almost like a new trend in the industry people right. are starting to go back towards that. How what type of focus what type of research are you doing towards CX and customer satisfaction at L'Oreal? Yeah, I mean, so it's been a, it's been quite a cultural and mindset shift um, for the brand in general. So I'm I'm pretty new to the company, um, but what I am noticing is that there are a lot of people who've been there for a while who numbers matter to them in the sense that they want to quantify everything. And I think really what we're trying to do is make people a little more flexible and comfortable with this qualitative mindset and making quick decisions based on quick feedback from consumers to keep things moving in the right direction. Gotcha. Um, you know, so we don't have, we're not a failing company by any means, but we don't have um, enough money to be continually making mistakes and launching stuff without making sure it's it's in a good spot. So I feel like my job is really to make sure that we keep things moving in the right direction, we kill a package, we kill a product, and then by the time it gets to being associated with a brand, we're in a good spot and we feel about comfortable about what we're launching, and it's already been kind of vetted with the consumers. You sound smart, Adam. <laughs> Easily the smartest person I've ever had on the podcast. It's easy. So you're from Cincinnati, right? I am, yeah. And where do you live now? Um, I live in New Jersey now. That's great. Yeah. Well, welcome home. Thank you. What was your first thing you did when you landed off the airport? Did you like run to Skyline or did you wait? I went to the Montgomery Inn. Oh, really? Yeah. I did. Um, my parents picked me up from the airport. I brought my three-year-old son with me, so he's hanging with them while I'm here. 
so we all went and got some ribs. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if, if they had Saratoga chips and the sauce they here, very good. we would just cover the table. It's like, I want to put probably easily my favorite food in the world. It's so easy, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, Tomorrow, another full day of conference. Another full day. Is there anybody that you've circled, like you're looking forward to, to hearing from? That's a, is that a trick question? I have not circled anybody. I haven't read that far ahead. Okay. So. Oh, I get that, yeah. <laughs> Conferences are overwhelming. I've been there. I was at a one-day conference. I circled people. Can I talk about who I circled today? Yeah. Yeah, Because yeah, be <laughs> I did this morning when I looked. So, I, yeah, I definitely... Um, I was interested to hear from any of the online platforms that have digital capabilities with video. Um, I feel like we do a lot of videotaping of people, sure. and then we, it's kind of like a black box what we do with it. So, you know, we use it to supplement analysis, but I think there's a lot more opportunity to be tagging it. Um, it just gets a little overwhelming. So it was interesting to hear from some of these companies that have the capability to tag the videos, bring, you know, an emotional output, a sentiment, and kind of analyze everything and put it in a better spot. So that that's interesting. And it's your conferences in general can be a little nuts. A lot of times yeah. it's a hard balance between you're trying to learn the whole time, right? You're trying to learn insights. And then you have vendors and all different sorts of people yeah. trying to get your time. Yeah. Well. How do you... Like you guys? Like like yeah, this like podcast? Us. Yeah, like us. Yeah. <laughs> like people just <laughs> Do you cover your in a badge when you're walking around? <laughs> Okay. Do I cover my badge? Um, no. Oh, wow. But how do you prepare for conferences? Like, do you have kind of a plan when you go? Or is it really just like whatever happens, happens? Um, I looked, I definitely looked up. They had a whole attendee list. So if anybody, I saw, sorry, if I saw anybody um, on the attendee list who, like, was from a certain vendor or something, I definitely kind of, like, flagged them. Um, unfortunately, I didn't feel like that's who approached me today. So I should, I should. <laughs> Not all the wrong people, but I feel like I should I should find them yeah. tomorrow awesome. in some capacity. So in your opinion, is it a good idea to get attendee list before? I I mean I think it's I think it's good and bad. I got a lot of really weird emails as well, so. Yeah. That's what I was going. Everybody's was trying. Everybody's like trying. You before, right? Well, I downloaded the app finally this morning, and I had about. 72 missed oh messages God. in the app that people yeah you're the bell of the ball no it's no it, it was like insert name here and send this message ah, that's great that's great that's awesome well i know that you're pressed for time thank you for coming on the thank, podcast thank you for could you hear me could you not hear me 95 percent of the time yeah. okay we're good you okay. give him a okay. thumbs up and he's a negative nancy so that's great okay all right the plug. i saw a note being uh, held up Anything I would like to yeah, plug? Yeah, you have a personal Twitter account. Do you have a anything? No one's asked for a guess. I don't know what to plug. This is, is it, this isn't, now I'm. No, it's all good. You're fine. Follow, I'll follow plug, you on I'll Instagram. EMI research. Yeah. There we go. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Can EMI I get, a, can I get one of those uh, windbreakers that you're wearing? Oh, yes. We will mail <laughs> you what you're wearing. No problem. Take it off. Take it off. Here we go. Take it off. <laughs> okay. No, thank you. This was fun. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Joining us now on the podcast is Mike Marcia of Screen Education. Mike. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Tell us a little bit. You're doing something really fascinating right now with smartphones. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, I have a, uh, a nonprofit organization I started a couple years ago called Screen Education. And uh, we focus on this whole issue of smartphone addiction. Right. Which is really, in 2017, it just exploded. It became right. a huge issue. And uh, we do research, uh, education, and consulting in that area. Um, so a lot the research we've done so far has been with um, summer camps. Sure. And uh, <laughs> I feel, okay. like I, feel like I'm being too serious for no, you guys. No, you're <laughs> right. You're so natural and fun, and uh, and I'm being straight. Okay, so uh, it's half news, hard news research, <laughs> which is this segment, and half like morning radio show. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Traffic on the nines. I'm, I'm drinking non-alcoholic beer too, so that might be. It's okay. Uh, I'm odd man out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it deals with smartphone addiction. We've done research studies with uh, several summer camps. Sure. 
and we're, we're actually launching a, a huge study this summer with uh, the, the uh, Jewish Community Center Association. Right. We potentially could have 123 summer camps involved oh my gosh. in this study. Potentially. We don't think we'll get that many, but, but we have access to that many. They're all Jewish summer camps. There are about 130 in the U.S. And all of these people are addicted to smartphones? Well, we're, we're going to do... The, the, the key is, the reason we do the research with these camps is um, that they don't allow smartphones. Oh they, my. they don't allow the kids right. to bring okay. phones. So you can... You, you have the kids in a situation where they've been without their phones for two to four weeks and they're jonesing, you know? Someone's crawl, yeah. Yeah, so, so we go in and talk to them during that period. But then we're, we're also going to do a big survey of all these kids uh, probably a month or two after they leave camp so they can reflect on the experience and sure. see what it's like. So, um, and then we're doing the, the, the big exciting project right now is the survey we're doing with EMI. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, oh. So, 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 tell me more. So, so, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's hear sounds, more about that. Sounds like that a sounds great company. That sounds amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. They sound like they really got their act together. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, so we, we put together a coalition of companies and individuals, um, and, and I would say EMI is the big, uh, the, the one that's really facilitating this, so I want to thank you all for doing yeah, that. It's no really, problem. That's great. Really, allowing this to happen um, and we're, we're doing a survey of a, a thousand teens across the country um, on on the issue of smartphone addiction and, and based upon you know I've been monitoring this issue for several years and I, I knew where all the gaps are right in the research right so there's a lot that's being ignored and um, one of the big issues is when when we talk about addressing the problem of smartphone addiction among kids it's all a top-down approach. So the, the whole approach is to say, well, we have to impose limits on the kids. How do we do that? And no one's looking at the complement of that, which is that we have to help the kids develop a, a level of consciousness of this problem right. so that they can independently self-limit right. behavior. Um, and then the other, the other gap I've seen in the research is it's all behavioral focus. So that we're basically quantifying and measuring behaviors like how many kids feel like they're addicted to their phones? How many hours a day do, are they using their phones? What are they using them for? And this survey is, is looking at their emotions and their feelings. So we're asking about, you know, how often, and, and, and critical things like bullying. Right. You know, how frequently do you witness bullying online? How frequently do you, do you witness gossip? Right. Um, we're getting into, um, there, a, a, big, a big question is, are the kids, you know, we know that this is a problem. And we know we have to get them to self-limit, but but a huge issue is, are they already aware that there's a right. problem the way that adults are? And and what we're finding is that they are aware. A very large percentage of these kids, yeah, they're they're feeling like these phones are a burden to them, and they can't stop using them. Well, that's I I think you kind of hit my next question on the head where you talk about so adults are aware. Adults just have just as much of addiction as possible, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And then children can be aware; it's still not going to change. Right. Um, how is there a fix somewhere? So I know that a lot of the research that I've seen, as far as psychological, is that being on social media, giving a like on whatever you're on, it triggers the dopamine just as it would, you know, any kind right. of drug or rush or any kind of adrenaline feed that you right. get. So is there any way? to fix that? Is there any way to kind of wean someone off? Is, like, is, is smartphones kind of like the next cigarette? A, a, a lot of people are using the, the cigarette analogy. So, right. so there, there are several, if you look at the, the approaches that are being taken right now, to, and you have to understand, this is brand new, right? right. So, so the backlash really, it literally began in January of, of this year. It's wow. like the backlash, because in 2017, that's when we got all the news that said, you know, the, the the apps developers are intentionally trying to addict the kids, that it's that it's working, they're getting addicted, and it's hurting them severely, psychologically, you know, emotionally, right. um, cognitively, socially. Um, so the, the, the real backlash kicked in, in in January. So it's it's really early in this, but, but what we're seeing so far is several threads. There's the legislative view. Right. So we've got organizations like Common Sense Media, Sure. Uh, um, they're, they're trying to push for legislation. And then you've got some journalists doing that too, like Tucker Carlson yeah. has, has adopted this issue and he's clearly pushing for legislation. Wow. He, that's one of his goals, you know. 
So he seems to cover this you know, every one or two weeks. So I have a quick question, Mike. And how, why did you get started in this? What, what brought this on? It's a nonprofit. That's great. But what started? How did you get in this? Well, I, I was doing market research for a long time. And um, th this had been an, an issue in my personal life. So, yeah. so I, was, I was telling my columns how... When I was in third grade, I, I realized that TV was addictive, and I pretty much stopped watching TV. And I, I was always that weird guy, you know, that didn't know who uh, Tiger Woods was, or you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Um, but so I, I felt like I was free, and and then I got a smartphone, and it, it just took me, and I, I could not put that thing down. It was felt like at times every three minutes I was looking at that phone, and and Man. I tried to control it for. For several years, two or three years, I tried to limit myself and I couldn't. So eventually, I just I thought, well, I'll just test it. it the, the, my charger port broke, and I I had to get another phone. So I went and I got a flip phone, and I never went back. I I, I really? went physical withdrawal for three weeks. Really? Physical withdrawal for three to four weeks. My next question: Are you banned from the MRMW conference because of this? No. You're anti-smartphone, <laughs> right? Well, I'm not. I'm a, I have to say, that, you know, this, that's my that's my solution right now. It might have to change in the future, right? But but right now I don't have a phone. Wow. But, but I would not. My the point of the organization is not to say that everyone should get rid of their phones, right? Clearly, these phones are here to stay. So sure. And the screens are here to stay. So right. we, we have to find a way to, to limit and, and control it. And and I I, I know society's working toward this, and and um, we'll eventually come to some happy medium. I don't think we're going to eliminate the problem, but we'll have, I, I think, some, you know, the culture's going to change a bit. We'll, yeah. we'll create some norms that make it rude to use your phone in certain situations. Right. We'll have, you know, what I'm calling ritualizing, where people will con consider it to be sort of standard. You don't have your phone out during meals or you right, know, whatever right. the situation. So. Yeah, and I've seen things like that, like, um, I know Ariana Huffington has the Thrive app. That's right. But it's really, and while it's an app, it also is driving you away from mobile. Like, she's like, put your phone away, give it in a different room, and like set hours of screen time. Right, right. I, I actually, Screen Education just signed a contract to do um, some research for um, a company that is launching a social media detox app. Really? Yeah, so we're going to help them do research. It's, it should be available in about two weeks. So we're going to help them do some research on, on the use of that. But they're going to be there are a lot of those apps, and there'll be more coming. I think so. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, well, Mike, thanks for coming on. Anything you All want right. to plug? Anything? No, that, that's really it. I, I appreciate the. It would be great right now if you gave us like a Twitter name. Like we talked the whole time about saying all your moments. You're like, <laughs> this is my Twitter name. Great so. education. It's it's one of those weird yeah. number things. I never changed it. So I. Oh, uh, that's awesome. So, thanks, for thanks Mike. I appreciate time. it. Thanks Thank for coming you. on. Thanks a lot. Bro. Yeah. So, everyone knows every week we do Ranch of the Week. We do a, a non-market research Ranch of the Week. We do a market research Ranch of the Week. And there's also this thing going on on Reddit where it's Ask Me Anything. So, now we're going to do a Rant Me Anything. So people from the audience are going to come up, give a topic that you want to rant on. It could be market research. Um, it could be this conference if you hate it. No, it could be uh, non-market research. It could be basketball, football, the Kardashians, whatever you want to talk about. Um, starting us off. First person up, Mary Draper of EMI. Mary, give us a topic. My first rant will be about teenagers. Oh. And Mary, you have a rant prepared about teenagers. I don't, but I can always rant about teenagers because I have two of them, um, a 14-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter. And we just came out of dance week oh yeah dance season dance wow. season so my daughter my 15 year old daughter she's a freshman at walnut hills high school here locally in cincinnati and uh, there's a dance that they hold for freshmen every year it's called frosh and my daughter who learned about this dance in eighth grade has been talking to me about this literally for 365 days oh. she picked out her dress about nine months before the dance and we went and picked out makeup and shoes and this has been a whole ordeal for a whole year um, I'm not exaggerating it's been a year um, and so the dance went well she looks beautiful her hair was nice we you know shoes she complained about her feet hurting I said welcome to being a woman yeah you wore heels yes. lean in Mary yes okay I'm just kidding, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> testing no no go ahead so then maybe about three days later I get a call you know a text mom did you fill out the permission slip this is my son my 14 year old what permission slip well 
I have a dance Friday. I said, well, son, it's Wednesday. You have a dance on Friday that I didn't know anything about. So I, I think this describes the quintessential difference between maybe when it, women, women and men. Yeah. That um, my son, who prepared for less than 48 hours for the dance, had to be in a tailspin. Like, we've got to get haircuts, suits, and ties, and your shoes, and your shoes don't fit you anymore from last year, so we have to start all over from the beginning. Um, so that was an interesting seven-day period for me from a very well-prepared dance to a very ill-prepared 14-year-old boy who, for some reason, I think is um, reflective of adult men because I feel like you guys... How dare you? Always... Whoa. Aren't always prepared? Bite your tongue, Mary. (laughs) I'm just saying that... you guys didn't tell me that I was doing this until about 30 seconds before I stood yeah. up here. <laughs> Similar to my son, who gave me about 48 hours Exactly. Notice. I think that's the parallel. It's that like, is the parallel. This is your high school dance. This is my it's high school great. dance. Except for had I known 365 days ago, I would have had a script. I would have had no sure. cards. I would have been ready to be on cue. Sorry, Mary. Thank you. That's Brian, you want okay. to complain about teenagers real quick? I can complain about teenagers. So Do I have a, a 16-year-old, and he's great. He's nearly perfect, but he is 16 going on 80. He is grumpier than me. So people, long-time listeners of the podcast, know that I am pretty grumpy. I rant a lot. But he is grumpy. He is set in his ways. You grumpy? Brian? Oh. Mary sits 10 feet from me, so she knows me better than than most. But but back to the 16-year-old Johnny. When he's he's out driving, he just got his permit. He drives like an 80-year-old man. He's complaining about everybody on the road. Hey, they're not using a turn signal. Oh, look at that guy. Changing lanes. Oh, they're not merging correctly. Oh, they didn't stop at that stop sign. This is this is constant. This, this is, is your expert driving 16-year-old. This is our 16-year-old. Right. Not, he's not 40. Right. He's 16, learning how to drive, and he's the biggest expert on the road. There's my rant. It's pretty good. And he corrects your driving. Oh, he, he, he knows when the gas is on E. I'm, I'll just say this. One of the two other adults in the household constantly is driving when there's no gas in the car. Yeah. And she, Johnny is laser focused on that. She may or may not be exactly in the room. when we need gas. That's great. Constantly. I think he has nightmares about it. <laughs> okay, so I can tie teenagers into research. Go, Mary. Give us a research one. Um, so uh, my children, before they got into high school we would always have career day at their school. So I would go and I would tell them about market research and we would do a taste test. And sometimes it would be very simple. Like what's, you know, I do a blind taste test. I'd give them a Krispy Kreme donut and a Dunkin' Donuts donuts. And which one is which and what do you prefer? And I'd ask the kids like, what's your favorite donut? And then they'd vote and then I'd let them taste and let them compare the differences. Um, So I think that's one of the areas where uh, those kids had never been exposed to market research they don't know what it is and that's something that maybe our industry could do a little bit better of a job with exposing younger people to what this industry is that's a good rant yeah i agree i think that i don't believe that the market research industry does a good job promoting to get the next generation of market researchers in i think it's getting better so i think um, forever it was just university of georgia georgia offering the master's program then it started to grow to uh, Southern Missouri, Southeast Missouri State. Now Michigan State has one. Like you're starting to see more and more market masters in market research programs starting. At the same time, like that's a really late in the game type thing. Um, I was lucky at Northern Kentucky University. Their marketing program went through the market research. So all your capstones had to do with market research, consumer behavior, those type of things. But there are spots in market research that I think could really appeal. So, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I've worked 11 years, but I still feel like I'm 23. And I remember when I started at EMI, it was hard for me to grasp like what was my buy-in to research. Like, why did I care about research more than any other like job or career? Right. And it took me seeing like something happening with research that I was doing for to like to get a care, to get a buy-in. So. A lot of times you don't have that material thing, so you can't feel a relationship with it. For me, it was political polling. Like mm. when I started in 2007, we were getting into the primaries. Mm-hmm. One of my first clients was a Democratic polling firm. I got a candidate. We were testing ads. It was nuts. But at the same time, I would then check and see, like, okay, what other ads that actually got through? How's the candidate polling? And it was like a 
a real material thing that I could see, and it was a reflection of my work. Well, and then you have an opportunity. You see, you see the ads that are being tested, and then you see what's on television. Right. And then you see the way that candidates are scoring and in the data, and then you see how the elections are actually panning out. Right. And you see what people are willing to say and their open and responses behind closed doors that maybe they wouldn't say when they were standing in line next to someone that they were voting for sure um, alongside. I can, I a lot of times you don't you don't have that in consumer research because it takes like yeah. a year and a half for a product to come out or some kind of concept yeah. to come out, right? I, I can add to this. I think that we have a lot of people in our industry that come from social sciences background, and they don't really get exposed to market research at all. They just kind of somehow they get into our field. They don't even know that it exists, and it's really sad because we need more diversity in our industry. We're a small niche industry. Most people don't hear about it until like. If you're in the business college until, like, I didn't hear about it until marketing research 300, right? Right. right. You're over 21 years old before you even hear about it. And so we need to start attracting people much younger that are maybe have a social sciences major. Right. Someone who's got a passion for math that may be yep. really into the analytics. They, or... they already steal everything from social sciences. <laughs> marketing right. research has for sure. Ever. Yeah. Let's, steal the, let's steal their best now. Right. Well, their idea of market research is maybe someone um, calling them at home and trying to do a survey in the middle of the night, or they think that they want to be a marketer or an advertiser, I want to make commercials, but they don't realize what really right. comes before that. Well, I think a lot of people with market research, like if you were to ask the layman on the street, like if you were to ask somebody here, somebody in the kitchen, somebody, what is market research, they would think a robocall. A robocall. Someone at the mall with a clipboard. Someone at the mall with a clipboard or the M&M bowl at the airport. Right. Right? Where you're getting in, you got the two-way glass and you're answering questions like that qual focus group type thing. Right. And I think it, there's a lot more to it. Like the, you have primary versus secondary. You have you know, big data, you know, customer satisfaction, customer experience. You have, I mean, there's so much consumer B2B. There's this big rise now of, you know, forever it was our client base, brands, full-service market research firms, ad firms. And now you see this rise of management consulting. You see the rise of poly. You see the rise of, like, think tanks is a huge part now. Huge. Um, All these startups, and you see people popping up left and right. With new so I think there's a lot more there. And I think that the market research industry has to do some kind of sellback. And that's why I love seeing people like like Brian. You go back, you talk to kids. You were, you were with the University of Georgia alumni program. You're doing things that way. I like to look at it that I shape the minds of the youth. That's, what I, that's how I look at it. We, yeah. do, we, we participate so in a lot of the activities that the Northern Kentucky yeah. University has. And as a matter of fact, we've hired two or three individuals from right. some of those market research classes. So it's right. been it's been a benefit for us. That's great. Well, Mary, thank you for coming up with your rant. Thank you for putting it. me on the spot no like that. Oh, come on up. Hey, we've got another one coming. Good job, Mary. This is another friend of mine. Do you know Shelly? No, I don't know Shelly. Hey. Hi, how are you? Hi, Shelly. How are you? I'm good. Producer? How are you doing? Yeah, go ahead. All right, this is Shelly Pract. I worked with her for many years. I supported P&G. She owns a market research facility in Columbus. And um, Shelly, introduce yourself. Who are you? But other than that. Well, uh, yes, I own a market research company in Columbus, Ohio. Actually, the number one rated facility and oh. I know uh, I, well I wish uh, the last the last printing of the impulse directory oh, we nice. were overall personnel really? facility and value highest in um, Columbus of all of the top rated facilities so awesome. that's great <laughs> good for you yeah there yeah. and then they quit printing I don't know if I killed them I don't know what I did but you, they ran out of paper they, they did so many, they just had so many, so many glowing reports about right. how fantastic we are yeah. no just joking been in the industry a little over 30 years. Oh um, I know it's bad, uh, but I started with Burke here in town. Oh I had yeah. a great, yeah. That's so great. it's Never heard of them. yeah. It's, I don't know who they are. Not quite sure. It's this little tiny company. Yeah. Oh, that's great. But I had a rant. What's your rant, Shelley? My rant is it's kind of tied in with what you all were talking about. A little bit about data quality. A little bit about um, lack of training clients who are not trained, clients who do not know how the process works, how the process should work, they are, they just come in and they think because they have a client after their name or as their title, that they know best. Well, let me ask you a question. Yes. So I think this only happens in quantitative research. You're saying the same challenges that we have in oh. quant occur in qualitative research? No way. 
It does. It does. My, that's my favorite is when they call you up. I want two focus groups. What are you trying to solve? I just need two focus groups. You get them recruited. You get them seated. And afterwards, they really need it. Online bulletin boards with a quant back, you know, in the back yeah. to support. They did not need focus groups. They needed something else. This makes me feel better about my career choice. There you go. Yeah, I agree. This is something that we've talked about in the past. These, like... Um, clients that know everything and nothing at the same time yes so this is uh we've talked about this as far as like automation in the past Mm -hmm. so a part of thing for me like is um so people here probably have like a salesforce license right right so you buy salesforce you invest a lot of money into salesforce you get the big box of salesforce and then Salesforce tells you nothing with how to work Salesforce, right? Right. So you have to either figure it out yourself, hire somebody, or you bring in like another consultant to come in and fix everything for you. And I think a lot of what we're doing with automation is kind of the same way. So like a client will come to us and be like, I don't need, I can use Google surveys. I bought a Qualtrics license. I have a license to Lucid or anybody else. I heard of SurveyMonkey. SurveyMonkey. Right. And right. they think because they have a license, then but then you become the expert. And so we've always said there's so much more space for full service market research firms. There's so much more space for facilities to really be. I mean, it almost puts you into like this managed service box, but it right. kind of is, right? Right. But they don't want to pay you for that. Oh no! You yeah, know, they want you yeah. to be a facility that recruits twelve people. Yeah. And that's all they're going to pay you for. And oh, by the way, can you write the screener? Yeah. You're going to charge me for that? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Well, just ask them. Just ask them, are they going to eat the cereal? Screener writing is a whole other rant, right? That's an oh. art that is just almost lost. Not trained. It makes me sad. Not trained anymore, almost anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, the questions they think it's just as easy yeah. as what well, you eat. Fruit yeah. Loops, right? You all eat Fruit Loops? Everybody loves Fruit Loops. Everybody loves Fruit Loops. Like, fruit loops. Yeah. Be easy. I know. I quit. I quit. Right. That's my rant. Thank you very much. Thanks, Shelly. Thanks for joining rant. us. Thank we you, appreciate it. You all are fantastic. Thank you. Does anyone else have a rant they want to give today? Or we're just going to go rapid rap fire between us? Thank you. Bailey has a rant. First of all, let me just say, Bailey Buchanan's here. Before she came, you, I gave a speech earlier about the male market research uniform that currently is being modeled by Mike Holmes. The khaki, maybe, maybe blue, Oxford. And I am sure the new model, I I was kind of hoping you would show up because I'm wearing sneakers right now, but I'm kind of trying to keep them under the table. I will admit that I dressed up a little bit as well after my own rant. I was like, well, I can't show up. I thought about you today. I thought about you, seriously. Last week I thought about you because of that rant. It has really kind of scarred me. (laughs) It's true. Sorry. Bailey, what's your rant? Um, let's see. Okay, well... (laughs) I'm going to rant about today. Oh, perfect. Yes, this is great. Maybe this might be career suicide. I I love it. No one listens. No one's listening to this. Who cares? We're not even recording this room right now. So the conference is great today. The MRMW, they've done a great job. Really great speakers. Um, But they implemented this speaker cube. So in the Q&A after each session, instead of passing around the microphone, which admittedly is awkward, um, they got this cube that has a microphone inside of it and it's padded and they throw it to you. And it's supposed to be, they like toss it around the room and it's supposed to be engaging and interactive. And it's not. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? Well, it's just super awkward. I think a lot of people don't want to be put on the spot of standing up in front of a room of their peers and being forced to catch something. I think it's a lot of pressure. I get it. And I think a lot of people just aren't standing up to ask questions because they don't want to deal with the cue. There were not a lot of questions in the Q&A sessions. A lot of speakers, they didn't want to deal with the cube. A lot of the speakers didn't get questions afterwards. So I think it's maybe a good idea in theory, but not in practice. So when a gimmick becomes too much, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes more gimmick than it does, like, actual practice. I don't think it helped. Did somebody sponsor the cube? 
No. Where oh, is that what was is Elsa doing? Right there. How is Rocky Cube not sponsoring the cube? I've got a lot of ideas. What are you doing, Ted? It's my Shark Tank idea. Ted listens, so yes, apparently was on Shark Tank. Oh, I've learned since being here tonight. I've no one invested in that. Mr. Wonderful would offer like a perpetuity, and that's it on that one. Nothing. So Bailey, yeah. thanks for coming. Don't thanks throw for the things rant. at me. Bailey, you have a personal rant. Do you have a personal rant? Personal rant? <sighs> yeah, what makes Bailey mad today? Do you have travel stories? Uh, um, oh, like, yes. Yeah, okay. let's hear it. Okay. Texas? <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I have a lot of days. Yeah. Let's go. And then we'll do another drink and then we'll go. Sure. Um, if you are my Uber driver, <laughs> please do not discuss with me politics. Yeah. Our current president. Yeah. Or ask me what church I belong to. Oh. No, I think all three of those go pretty well together. Yeah. I do not appreciate. Good icebreakers. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like right there. (laughs) Welcome to my car. What church are you attending? (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Does this happen in Texas? That happened in Texas. Not here. This is a godless part of the country. <laughs> Definitely didn't happen in Kentucky. Oh, it's that's just great. A, it's not an inappropriate question. It's just very forward. Yeah, it's okay. first time meeting. That's Especially a, in a tip-based industry. That's, that's a two-star rating, I think, right? Two stars? Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. Um, I also don't love that Uber implemented tipping, which I think is controversial, perhaps. Yeah. I don't. I liked Uber that you didn't have to tip. We know the tipping kind of comes into what they rate you, right? Like, if you right. don't tip, they could wait and see if you don't tip before they rate you. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man, my rating's good. What's your Uber rating? <laughs> you know your Uber rating. What is it? I'll look it up. Brian, what's your Uber rating? I, I do not know my Uber rating, but I think this is an idea I had literally today. I think that when you go through life, you should rate everybody you encounter Uber rating style. So when you talk to someone one to five star, it'll improve politeness. He'll be nicer with each other. I love it. I think it's a good idea. I'm a four. Se- I'm four seven nine. Oh yeah. Is my Uber rating? It really kills me. It kills me. I'm a four seven nine. I'm a four eight three. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Jeez. This is so bad. I don't know how to raise mine. People. Are, yeah. That's what it. Like, ooh, I gotta pick her up. She'll talk to me about her religion. Yeah. So my ideal Uber ride is when we don't speak at all. I will say. Oh, that's it. Get yeah. me there, get me there quick. Right, yeah. right that's right. it. That's a five. Yeah. I understand as a driver, that's probably boring, but I, I've spent all day today talking to strangers. Yeah, you don't want to be on any more than you have to be. Yeah, I get that. Right, for sure. Yeah. Bailey, thank you very much. Thanks for coming up. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have to beg for rants. That wraps up the podcast Palooza that we had here at MRMW. As we close, Brian, do you have one more rant you want to give out? I, have, I feel like I have an appropriate rant that I've been saving for a while. I'm ready. Go. Are you ready? Yes. This is gonna hit. This is gonna get home. Hit home with you. With me? Yeah. Go. Are you ready? I'm ready. And this is about craft beer. Okay. <laughs> so I'm a I'm a forty something male. Something. Yes, forty something. (laughs) I enjoy a beer every once in a while, but I don't understand this craft beer resurgence. It was nice at first when you had a few new beer breweries to go to, but now, and it's not really the beer that bothers me. It's really the pretentiousness that has happened with society that they're going. Oh, have you had Grandpa? Phillips Oatmeal Plum Stout. Oh, I haven't had that. Oh, you have to go to Wisconsin so again. Good. You've never it's, had it. That oh. is the best beer. Have, it's so have you had Old Man's Shoe um, IPA? Oh, where's that? Oh, that's in Maryland. You've probably never been there. This is what is happening. People take 20 minutes to order a beer. You can't get a normal beer anymore. There's like 47 craft beer options at every bar, and then you have Bud Light and maybe Corona. That's and that's what society has turned to. It drives me crazy. There's my rant. Let's fight. I'll comment. I am a craft beer guy. I search for craft beer a lot. 
Um, I don't know why, because I, I never really liked beer. And yeah. then, like, I found some of that taste, and I started to know things. I say that right now, drinking like it is blast for me right now that I'm drinking this. Oh, you're really drinking a Stella? That's not a craft beer. Stella is okay. made from the same stuff as Budweiser. Yeah. This is Budweiser with a gold rim, but it's uh, it's actually owned by yeah. like ABF, whatever. Um, but I uh, I can't really like excuse why I like craft beer more. I think I just like taste. Well, if Budweiser all of a sudden started having like a bitter taste or had like a sweet taste or anything, and there's something that I really like, I would drink the crap out of Budweiser. Here's what I did. 20 years ago, I found a beer I liked. It's called Guinness. And that's what I drink. That's what I'm drinking right now. When I go out, I have a Guinness. There's no like, oh, do you have, what do you have here? What do you have there? It's Guinness. That's I what do, a, a yeah. man drinks a a standard beer and a bourbon that's what they drink when like, is get, get the bourbon like you're probably the same way with bourbon right when is your union meeting <laughs> when <laughs> what type what type of pension plan do you have down at the steel plant I found what I like and I don't deviate from that I uh no even with bourbon like I drink like a smaller batch type yeah. bourbon small and I've, batch is okay I get that but it, that's the same thing as craft beer no. it's small batch have and you I, seen the people that make these breweries have you been to like the mixologist it's some it's some millennial that has that has clearly has no chemistry background true yeah he's some 25 year old guy that probably made a beer that he bought on Amazon in a bathtub in his basement yeah. in a bathtub yeah. and now all of a sudden he opened a brewery like this is the people that were now like celebrating? No, I don't celebrate the people because I think a lot of the people are the worst. Okay. Like, there's like okay. a big brewery in town that I know the two guys are the worst. <laughs> um, and there's some other like, like all types of stuff like that. I just think, to me, okay. So I was in New York, and my first thought is I look at the craft beer list and I want to see is there anything I haven't tried? Is it a style I might like? Could right. it be something that might I might like? Right. And I got burned three times yesterday. Of things that just tasted horrible. They right. had just like a, a lot of it was like a resin type taste or whatever. Um, but I really like it's not the loyalty to the craft as much as it is like a loyalty to taste for me. I get it. I will say that I think there's a mark. I think craft is becoming a new thing in all industries. Yes. So you think like the bourbon boom yeah. is that people want like a craft bourbon, like a small batch, single barrel. The craft beer boom is they want like a smaller batch, a smaller barrel. Yeah. And I think people, I, I think research is going to start going this way too. Not to Ooh. pander. Oh. Hey. But I really think like the days of the 5,000 complete gem pop, anything goes census rep sample is probably, it's starting to die because those people are, those are type of things that you can find anywhere. You know, like those are the type of opinions those are the type of things that everyone is just, you know, social sharing. They're probably doing the Google surveys. Like, you can find that anywhere. I think more like craft research, where you find something more heavily targeted. It's like a certain type of person. It's smaller based. You have a couple people that are on it. And I think that is where, like, people are going to find true insights. And I say that because of the growth of CX, because of the growth of customer satisfaction. I'm wrapping everything up. We're going to have to stop recording right now. Like, because of, like, how much things have come back to the customer. And, like, I feel like we are in kind of the age of loyalty right now. <laughs> yep. And craft research is really a product of this age of loyalty and trying to reward your super fans, your super loyalists, uh, and make the best product for it. Oh, my. A lot of applause. People are standing. All right, so... I'll just mention I am anti-craft beer. I am pro-craft research. You yeah, sold sure. it. I'm on board. Let's do it. I love it. I'll send you. A, I have a couple blank IOs. I'll send you a <laughs> one right now. Uh, next rant, Brian. Do you have any more rants? Do you want to talk about anything pop culture? Oh, let's talk some pop culture. What's going on? Um, the royal baby. Yeah. What's the name of the royal baby? Oh gosh. I thought it was gonna be William, but I'm hoping they go. Was well, it's not George? We know that, right? You can't have... Well, no, that's not true. So they have a baby named George. However, I will share this. Yeah. I shared this with Sarah the other day. My father has 11 brothers and sisters. Yeah. My father's name is Jim. He has a brother named Jim. Okay. You can name two kids and say... He has a sister... He has a sister named Virginia. Yeah. He has another sister named... Jimmy. Virginia. Oh. Oh. All right. So I'm thinking... I hope it's something like Chris. (laughs) (laughs) But it's clearly going to be a former, like, Philip or something, right? A former king. 
I think you just name it Prince. <laughs> Prince Prince. We're at the two year the two year anniversary was last week. Yeah. You name it Prince. Yeah. Um, and then you like Minnetonka or something, Minnesota. <laughs> I'm, I'm obsessed with royalty. That's probably another podcast topic later. Yeah. Um, but I'm obsessed with it. And I'm excited to find that. I think we found the name tomorrow, which will be Wednesday. Sure. Yeah. I'm not obsessed with royalty. That's because I believe in democracy. I believe in this country. Just kidding. <laughs> Let's make Britain great again. <laughs> Let's Brexit off of this topic and go to the next rant. Uh, are you? That was a good one. That was, that was good. a good one. Good. Uh, last topic. We always end with sports. Yeah. What are you most excited about with sports going on right now? Well, I'm all in on the NBA playoffs, first of all. I'm watching as much as possible. It's really good. I love what's going on with Utah. I love what's going on with New Orleans. I'm fascinated with what's going on with Cleveland and Indiana. That's that's the first topic. You want to talk about NBA first? Because I have another sports topic as well. Okay. Are you watching a lot of NBA? You know, I'm the only NBA fan in the tri-state area, probably. Right. right. Um, I'm really in on Indiana right now and Cleveland. I think it's just a train wreck to watch Cleveland right now. It, it absolutely is. I love that Tristan Thompson is making $18 million buried on the base on the bench yeah. because of something he did with Khloe Kardashian. God yeah. bless him. That's great. Yeah. Um, and I'm really, um, I don't fall for, you know, I like excellence. I'm a front rider guy. I'm not yeah. into New Orleans, oh. Utah. New Orleans is going to give Golden State some games. Four of them, and they're going to lose all of them. <laughs> but maybe five. Okay, what's your next sports topic? NFL draft. I mean, the best day of the year, right? It's the best day of the year. Oh, my gosh. Tomorrow. I can't wait. Cleveland has, I think, about 11 first-round draft picks. Watch your mouth. Uh, I am a Cleveland Browns fan. It's the only day of the year yeah. that I really care about. We have picks one and four. We have four picks in the top 35. Right. We have ten picks in the draft in total. This is pre-trade. We're not trading. You're not going to trade this year? We're not trading. We have smart people now. Um, I want Saquon Barkley. I, don't, I can't believe you want Saquon Barkley. And Baker Mayfield. I, well... Baker Mayfield, I think, is the. I love Baker Mayfield. I think you can get him at. I think you can trade him from four and maybe get him, but you probably get him at four. I think you can trade the one. You do not draft Saquon Barkley. You get. You could get a Saquon Barkley lookalike in the fourth round. What if we took Baker one yeah. and Chubb four? Oh, there no, I like that. All right, the Georgia guy. Yeah, and then Sony, Sony Michael uh, later. Second all the Georgia guys. Think all Georgia. Right. It, it always works because they win everything. Right. All right. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for joining us for Intellicast live recording. <laughs> that wraps us up. This will be posted on Thursday, Wednesday. The 25th of April. Looking forward to everybody listening. As always, you can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Follow EMI on Twitter. We'll be live tweeting the conference tomorrow. EMI underscore research. Uh, my own personal Twitter, Adam Jolly. I will tweet some stuff. I'm going to be down here at least tomorrow, so I'll run into somebody, hear something smart, put it on Twitter. I think that's the basic model of Twitter, right? Um, and we look forward to coming back to you next week. We will not be in the audience. We'll be in Ohio. It'll be around noon, and there'll be no beer involved. Oh, all right. Okay, fine. Kind of a downer. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks for coming out. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.